Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your foreign object on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good. Um, it feels like uh, it's been a while since we've done a regular Thunder. I know it's only a couple of weeks. Mm. But yeah. it, it feels kind of comforting to be back on a regular Thunder schedule. I get that feeling, like that podcast feeling around like the December, January time where we kind of get unmoored from what day it is. Mm-hmm. And we're, we usually do special episodes around Christmas. I was like, what the fuck are we recording now? And stuff like, like I genuinely have no idea when the last like regular Thunder episode came out. If you told me it was two weeks ago, if you told me it was a month ago, I'd believe you. Um. It, but the time this one drops, it'll have to be at least five weeks. Good God. We did a pay-per-view. Yeah. So. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. So our last show, our last free show was Slamboree. Mm. And then it got it. So then it would be nearly a month. Yeah. Since uh, episode 62. That's, that's wild. That's mm-hmm. fucking wild. But we're back. We're back in the regular rota of things for good or for ill. Um, before we get to that shit, my friend, um, we're recording this just after the new year, um, and even though they will be stale as fuck takes, I think this is probably our most kind of uh, closest to the actual date of it happening to uh, talk very briefly about um, Wrestle Kingdom, which I know you um, you took the day off to watch. I uh, I sort of did my usual thing i do every year with wrestle kingdom in ireland because the main show kicks off at 8 a.m our time Uh is that i always forget the night before to go to sleep early then i do wake up on time for the show to start plug in the chromecast get it streaming and then i do the kind of fall asleep wake up fall asleep wake up and end up having to rewatch half the show in the afternoon (laughs) how was your wrestle kingdom experience this year yeah it was good it was enjoyable um 
I was awake for the pre-show. And by the time we were on... To was the, that 6 or 7? I think it was 6.20 was the... Was the <laughs> Get out. Now, I'm awake that time most mornings anyway. But yeah. um, I think by the time we were on the final intermission, uh, Connor had come down to start watching the show. So he literally came mm. down from the beginning for the main show. Yeah. Um, so that's a smart guy. You have you have taught him well about the business. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was it breezed by a four hours for the main cards. Mm. I think it was just over four, about four fifteen, four twenty, something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very very enjoyable. I think the only the only big disappointment of the the matches I um wanted to see that i thought would deliver for what i wanted the only one i was kind of disappointed in not getting time was the women's title match i, um, I, I thought that worked in the context of the way it was presented in that they just hmm. beat the fuck out of each other for five yeah. minutes and i thought it was very enjoyable yeah you see and maybe it's because they they beat each other up that i was just like i could if this is just getting started and we're getting like you know this it went like what five minutes odd like if we got six minutes yeah yeah, if we got another 10 minutes i know it was mostly there to serve uh the arrival of mercedes Mm -hmm. afterwards but uh yeah i don't know i just i like Kyrie, i like tam nakano and i would have enjoyed seeing them batter each other for a while longer um and yeah i think like the one that i'm sure like a week or so after the fact by the time this show drops um people are still ranting and raving about osprey and uh kenny uh which was fabulous I, I, I genuinely one of the most incredible matches i've ever seen yeah um, yeah and it's amazing that by the time this show drops kenny omega would have been in a ladder match as well yeah the hell of a week and he was in was it last week he was in uh, false a count false count anywhere, anywhere match when yeah so bump off, a, off a ledge through a table yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy you almost wouldn't have put it past him to be like on a red eye back to Seattle to wrestle tonight like well, if it was like physically possible well speaking of his eyes did you see I think it was uh, Melter put out a tweet there saying uh, but Osprey and Omega are fine um, Omega's eye is swollen show yeah it that was from the cheeky nando's kick yeah. and he also has the footprint of osprey's boot on his face yeah they leathered each other mm-hmm. uh i think funnily enough you wouldn't have um you wouldn't have necessarily expected it from the the two guys and the, the style of wrestling they're most closely associated with but if uh if if anyone honored Enoki's legacy of being hard bastards on that show, it's the two of them because they they Jesus they uh, they destroyed each other, um, um, and it's basically set us up now for a year of storylines in New Japan with with Osprey being rattled by the loss and giving himself one year to beat him or he's gone, uh-huh. uh, which is cool. Um, so it, and it, that I think that's the thing that I come out of I come out of Wrestle Kingdom most enthusiastic about is that I feel that there's actually a direction a direction that I'm interested in uh between that and we've got um Shingo Okada uh never never going to turn that it, down no no god no uh, as we recently uh talked about uh behind the paywall on our our latest trl uh shingo quite good at the wrestling <laughs> just a bit 
Yeah, but uh, look, we won't we won't labor the point too long because uh, it was over a week ago. But I I, I just felt that, you know excited to actually talk about some really good wrestling. Well, here's one other thing: um, FTR are now beltless. Yes, and the big talking point seems to be that they are definitely going back. Ah, oh, like there's two acts that I, I that there's been a lot of rumblings about going back to the Fed lately, and I feel like they're two acts that should absolutely know better, and it's FTR and Miro. Mm-hmm. You know, now a lot of the Miro going back thing is his missus talking um, to various outlets, and part of me thinks. I, I don't know if that's her angling for him to go back or angling for herself to go back because Tony Khan clearly like could have signed her any time over the last however long since she's been sacked and hasn't. Um, there have been se- several times where I thought they were going to yeah, bring I, her in during I, the Redeemer I, stuff. Yeah. She was referenced um, every other week. Yeah, so... I, I don't know, but I think, like... It, God bless, like, to be a successful professional wrestler, you have to have a lot of self-confidence. But even with Triple H in charge, FTR and Miro are fucking kidding themselves if they think they're going to be slotted higher than they were before they left for any more than about, like, six... They'll get the Drew treatment. Do you know I where... They, they get that much. Miro might. I don't think a tag team would. Um, like, like, who are FTR going to feud with in that company? Uh, Usos in the New Day and that's it uh, the Brutes maybe um, there'll be like they, they will have good matches do you know what I mean there's actually like decent tag teams in there but no one gives a fuck about the the, the tag team division um, well like drunk Uso will probably have fucking DUI'd again and got suspended they, they, they will I assume I, I like Again, it's trying to predict what fucking WWE are going to do, but like I'm assuming the the whole fucking bloodline thing is going to crumble asunder by WrestleMania. Um, Whether it's Sammy and Kevin beating the Usos, which I think would be great. Um, Like are are Sammy and Kevin going to get a big run as a team? I don't think so. No, but like I mean, we'd all love to see it for a little while. But um, yeah, like I just think they're two acts that like I know like you know Lanza says a lot on the flagship. He's like no wrestler is ever happy with their push no matter where they are on the card and like I don't blame them I particularly like particularly Miro I think do you know FTR depending on what we look at it is like they were pretty like they were basically like they were given every belt they possibly could apart from the like the AEW belts this mm-hmm. year they were they were pushed as a huge act they they had a lot of big great matches um like the one thing you can say that was left on the table is them never doing the all the belts on the table them versus the Bucks when the Bucks had the AEW belts. Mm. Um, that's the one thing you can say was left on the table. Miro a bit more of a ball drop, I think. Like I, there's been several yeah. situations. I know he himself rejected the most recent idea for him to be like to to heat up. Um, was it heat up MJF? Heat up Ricky. Ricky, that was it. He was going to lose to Ricky on the way to challenging MJ, MJF and he didn't want to do it, allegedly. Um, but uh, there's definitely more you could do with that guy, um, for sure. That's kind of the story of his career. It's not like WWE were fucking batting a thousand with the guy, otherwise he never would have left. 
Well, that the, you know? this is the thing with Miro. Miro is not a man that's in it for the love of the business. He's in it for the money, and he's never made. He's yeah. never hidden that fact. And that's fine. Yeah. But, like, yeah, who who's Miro to be saying? You know, I should be. That I shouldn't be losing to X, Y, or Z. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that's the bit where, like, if if he hadn't done that and he had just done the job, I think he'd still have a lot more people on his side because I think there definitely is more you can do with him and the fans definitely... Like, when he shows up, he's over as fuck. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, there's definitely juice there like, pe- with Miro. People into the thought of... Was it the late summer they were going to do Alistair? Fucking Alistair Black. Malachi Black and Miro. Yeah, yeah, because they were going to do, like, was it House of Black versus Miro, Sting, and Darby? It looked like they were going for. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, peel that off into a Black versus Miro program, which would have been very good. Um, But, yeah, like, it's it's, it's just kind of, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. But I I don't, like, yeah, I think in Miro's case, he might be happy if it's 100% the money because WWE will definitely pay him more to do less. Although, not necessarily do less because he'd be fucking working twice three times as many dates and they won't let him do his fucking twitch if he still wants to do that so Um, well speaking of Monet hey what did you think of the big debut um flat but not in a way that I hadn't expected like I didn't think the crowd was going to fucking lose their head like they did for like someone like a Jericho who had a history in mm-hmm. Japan or anything like that. There was definitely a, like a, oh, yeah, reaction. Yeah. You know, there was, oh, there was an intrigued and like, oh my God, it is her. Um, But it wasn't like people weren't ripping up the chairs and fucking them at the ring or anything like that. And then the one move, and I will put this on, on Kyrie, like Kyrie fucked the move up, not that uh, Mercedes. I still don't know what happened. I've watched it multiple times. I'm still not quite sure. She goes to, like, flip her off her back into the DDT, and Kyrie, instead of, like, landing on her feet, lands on her knees. Mm. For some reason, like, she thought it was going down in one swift movement. Um, yeah, it was it was just miscommunication. But, like, I, again, I, I, I think if you are judging by this that it's a busted flush with her yeah. outside of WWE, you're insane. You're an idiot, yeah. Yeah, she is going to get a massive reaction at that San Jose show. So um, you're adamant now it's her. No, well, the San Jose show is where she's challenging Kyrie. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, that's, well, yeah. The LA show, sorry. The LA show. Well, we'll know literally hours before this podcast gets posted whether she's the mystery partner. Mm. Although, um, you know, um, hopefully it is. Because like, I want to see her anywhere and everywhere, you know. Um, I don't want to see her in, like, I, I want her to take up all the dream matches, not Natty. As uh, Daddy this week posted about wanting to wrestle Julia. Oh, God, Al. It still gets me, man. It still, still gets me. still the funniest thing I've heard all year. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, We have one little bit of business before we get to Thunder 63, my friend. And that is to talk about the kind of, the the way content is going to be dropped on the, the Patreon for the, the coming months uh, over at largemanappears.com. Um. We thought rather than go to the control center on this one, we'd uh, we'd just do it live. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is to say, we thought of something, we thought of an idea that kind of, I suppose, uh, increases the variety of content you're getting um, while alleviating the kind of pressure on one or the other of us individually. Um because what we were for the first six months, because again, you know, you're you're learning as you you build these things out. 
Um, and for the first six months, I had kind of taken on the the doing the the spreadsheet, the sheet every month where I was putting up my my match of the year tracking and and talking about it um, in an article every month. Uh, which was an additional piece of work for me. And then we were doing, we had no real kind of who was doing the solo audio every month thing. We didn't have it set in stone, but we decided kind of talking back and forth over the Christmas that the way we do it is this. Um, we're going to alternate uh, months, like which, which who does what. So say, for example, um, Lee might do the sheet in January and if Lee does his so he's doing a match of the year spreadsheet this year yes, is I basically am. the idea we got for this is Lee that he was going to try do it for this year so so Lee if he's doing the spreadsheet uh, article uh, which usually drops around the middle of the month might be a little late this month um yeah, just because there's very there's very little wrestling has happened, mm. <laughs> you know, over the the, the period the, since the, the start of the year. Yeah, the thing the thing about the preceding months is you can catch up on stuff that's already happened. Yes, um, but the the reason I bring that up is so if Lee does that, then I'll do the solo audio that month, and then the following month it'll be me doing the sheet, Lee doing the solo audio. So that way you're still guaranteed a sheet post and a solo audio post, and it's not putting pressure on like say months where it will be my turn to do the solo audio. If I was doing the solo audio, the sheet plus our two premium podcasts on Patreon plus our uh, two free podcasts on VOW plus the edits for all of those it was piling piling up mm. and then we run into problems when things happen like in December when I got sick and our schedule got blown the fuck up because I couldn't do anything um, so this is hopefully to insulate us <laughs> against that happening and then, going forward and also the fact that we are at the whim of like my children yes. your work my work yes. our, yeah. our respective uh, partners we- <laughs> yeah, which we, which we, I, I had kind of in in listening back to some clips, um, because I'm trying to clip some stuff to go up on YouTube as promo clips, and I, I am resolving in 2023 to moan about my time less, um, because I feel like we started for about four months, we started every show by going, oh, I'm so fucking busy, yeah. and that's not what people are here for. They're here for us to talk about Stevie Ray, and I'm happy to provide that. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'd rather be busy than talk about Stevie Ray. <laughs> um so yeah that's that's my little new year's resolution but in terms of what you're getting every month over largemanappears.com for the um the sweet sum of five europeans mm. um just over the cost of a, co- a cup of coffee uh you're going to get yourself uh still uh two premium podcasts every month you're going to get one solo audio every month one sheet post and then still there will be other stuff as well just on a kind of inconsistent we're not guaranteeing every month there will be an additional podcast but sometimes there will be like for example i'll 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 hand over to you lee to talk about what's coming this month but um we have one particular series that usually we would do in addition to our two premium ones but because we're playing catch up with one show this month um that will not necessarily be the case this month but usually trl is on top, on top of, of the series we're already doing. But uh, what can people look forward to uh, from the January offerings on the large man so January on um, patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod will have, we have already will have had the Dragon Gate Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 2016 show drop last week as you're listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. 
you will also have another TRL this month, which will be sold out in 1997 as selected by Erin Quinn, mm-hmm. friend of the show. And uh, it, it Queen is... of the Undercard. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting that nickname going. <laughs> and it is sold out in 1997. And as a change to more recent TRLs, it will actually be just a straight up review, not a watch along. Yeah. Which is Erin's choice. Don't... Yeah, we didn't want to. We didn't want to drop two uh, commentary tracks in mm-hmm. a month, basically, um, because we know that's not everybody's flavor of podcast. So we asked Aaron because kind of the way we do it with TRL is you can either have it as a live commentary track or you can have it as a standard Days of Thunder style review. So we asked Aaron. Aaron obliged. Yeah. Um, so, so it will be presented as a standard premium podcast. We, we will do that going forward. If you pay for the TRL TRL level. We will ask you what you prefer, whether it be a straight-up review or a watch-along, and we will go with whatever the choice is of the paying public. Um, Also, we will have a return to one of our favourite series. It'll be Rehash of the Champions 6? 6, I think, yes. I believe it's 6. So I haven't even looked up the cards, so I don't know what's coming up on this one, but I believe we are about to begin the Steamboat... Yeah, because they were setting up. Yeah. They were they were Steamboat they were putting series. Steamboat over huge on yeah. the last uh, on the last clash. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think I have between those shows and us doing our world class uh, Chris uh, on our Chris the world class Star Wars show on our Christmas mm. special, uh, and I've also been watching. Um, a bunch of like documentaries that got posted to YouTube about the territories, and I bought the Death of the Territories book. Oh, man, um, that's such a good book. Yeah, because um, I'd watched I, I watched the Tales from the Territories show, and I was like, yeah, like that's given me a not much I didn't already know, but it's kind of fun getting to see some of the old timers tell stories. Um, so then I started watching. I think I mentioned it on one of the live streams that I watched a wrestling at the chase documentary that was like a local news production. It's really fucking good, and it's on YouTube. And there's several other ones kind of similar about different territories. Um, so between that um, and the series we're already doing, I have a real kind of like I'm looking. F- I'm I'm looking forward to these rehashes um, more than I than I already was. Yeah. So so we we will have a return to rehash another TRL. As you mentioned already, we will have a sheet update this month, whether it be mm-hmm. myself or yourself, it's not quite decided yet. And one yep. of us will do a solo audio. So it's a pretty jam-packed month. Yeah, for our first month of the mm-hmm. year. Also, um, we have anniversary billing, so you don't have to wait until the first of the month to sign up for Patreon. You can sign up any date, and that's the date you will be rebuilt next month. Uh, it's way easier than the, this first of the month bollocks, to be honest. Um the other thing I was going to tease is that there will be a poll dropped um, probably not too long after this podcast posts on, on Voices of Wrestling because in February, I can reveal, we're returning to the box office. My friend Days of Thunder at the movies is coming back in February. Uh, we're batting back and forth some ideas about what kind of theme the poll will have mm-hmm. and then we will present you with the options for a movie for us to review and that's one of my favorite series we do as well. Um, I, I love just chatting shit about movies with anybody, but uh, <laughs> some of the movies we've already watched on this. Uh, oh boy! After a hectic couple of months, we're bringing back bringing back the classics to the, yeah. to the Patreon. Yeah. In addition to that, we'll also be restoring um, something people really liked, which is the um, the preview clips. So these free shows, uh, we'll be posting um, a preview clip of what you can expect a couple of days before the show hits the air. Um, 
also god there was look out for um the vow uh, youtube page because rich is posting a lot of clips of all the podcasts up on the uh, vow youtube page yeah and you might just see us up there and please uh watch and like and share if you see any of our stuff popping up up there um there was one more thing i was going to say uh about it um no, it's completely gone. Uh, so yeah, uh, patreon.com slash wcwthunderpod, alargemanappears.com. Uh, that's where you need to go. We have had already, um, if you don't count the preview pods, 25 podcasts uh, in the few months that we've been on Patreon up there. So you will get that whole archive as soon as you sign up for just more than a cup of coffee. Um, so yeah. And just just um, think of all the burials you're missing out on if you don't sign up. I know, right? Uh, oh, that's the one last question I had to do. It's nothing to do with burials. Um, a question we had for Patreon subscribers and potential future Patreon subscribers alike. Um, it occurred to us over the Christmas period when we were doing our Christmas party live stream that, um, oh, that's another thing. We probably will do some sort of prediction show for the Rumble as a live stream, but we haven't got the plans in the book for that yet either. But um, we... I do a backup recording of the Zoom that we record the show on every time. And a thought occurred to me that some people enjoy the the video element of podcasts. They, they like to watch the hosts talk back and forth and kind of like get a vibe for the kind of austere locations we're obviously recording <laughs> these things in. Uh, definitely not like tiny spare rooms or the, the couch yeah. <laughs> in your house or whatever. Um so, you know, I'm not going to start dumping videos on there because it's like it's time consuming just to watch videos upload to YouTube and then send the thing across. But if people are interested in also having a video version, the audio versions will all get posted as normal. But if you have an interest in the video version of some of our podcasts getting posted, please do let us know at WCW Thunderpod or in the DMs or in the comments on Patreon, wherever. Um, do let us know because we kind of we just want to provide what you want for the money you have uh, deemed fit to give us um, we don't want to give you stuff you don't want so we're not just going to start landing the videos up there either and we always want um, more money so tell we us always want we always want more money yeah 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 <laughs> okay let's do it buddy let's this is Thunder episode 63 coming to you from Wichita Kansas uh, 20th of May 1999 with a 2.9 rating. Uh, Lee, I just, I'm having this weird feeling and it's probably because of, again, the, the schedule and um, the holidays and stuff like that. But it feels like we're just, and it's also the quality of the wrestling. We're never going to get over this middle of 1999 hump. No. I feel like we've been it, stuck been here for, for years, hasn't it? Um, Fucking hell. Yeah, no, I, I'm... I'm fully in this kind of holding pattern now of waiting for people to show up. And yeah. it just feels like... I know Savage literally only came back like five shows yeah. ago. But it feels mm. like he's never been gone. Yeah, and we've also got... I think because we're getting to that period where we know things mm-hmm. of what's going to happen later in the year, we can see pieces moving around the board to where we know they're going to be. You know, we see certain people who we know are going to be teaming or feuding later, having interactions mm-hmm. now. And I know this isn't some sort of intentional grand plan from WCW in 1999. Like, they weren't thinking that far ahead. But it's just funny with the benefit of hindsight how we can see these these guys yeah, moving. Where, where people are, near... are aligned and may, may not be aligned. 
Come yeah. To... Well, we got a bunch of uh, dark matches on this show. Okay. Lee. Uh, do you want to hear about them? Sure. Uh, we had, f- I think it's four dark matches. Or is it five? One, two, three, four. Five dark matches on this show, which I thought was unusual for a Thunder. It was obviously um, a live taping, so they wanted to just fill out the cards. It was, it was, you see, because they missed, uh, this is what I'm thinking, previous. because they were preempted, yeah. they did a double shot worth of Thunder, but they just didn't air half of it. Because this is, this wasn't recorded the week it was aired. It was recorded the week they were preempted. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay, that would explain why we never saw the commentators on, on camera yep. and what yeah, yeah. they sounded like they were in a boot. It was recorded on, I think, the 12th or the 13th, according to Cage Match, and it was released on the 20th. Okay. So that week they were preempted. They they were, they were recording. Um, but the dark matches saw um, Hack versus the dearly departed Mike Enos. Uh, Super Kalo, who I have not fucking thought about in ages, versus Ernest Miller. Uh, Silver King, who I also have not seen on this show in ages, versus Vampiro. Oh man, I which I'd say was actually pretty care. good. I didn't see that much? Uh, Conan versus Hugh Morris, oh. which I absolutely do not want to see. And El Dandy versus La Parca, which I bet was like a fun little match. Yeah, I'd love to have that in Thunder. Yeah. Um, we got, uh, I think, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling like when I load up these shows now, I'm preemptively expecting a video package I've already seen to greet me as soon as the WCW ident is done. Um, so I was surprised that this was a, a cold open. So for a brief, lovely 60 to 90 seconds of this show, we didn't get a video package. Uh, yeah, it's funny, like I, I've been watching, like re- actually re-watching Suits, love that show. And um, every episode begins with like previously on suits, and that's what I was expecting when I stuck on Nitro or um, Thunder. It was like a previously on Nitro, hmm. just fucking... previously on AMC's <laughs> WCW Thunder. Um, but yeah, no, like here, here's the thing: it's ten days since the pay per view, so we yeah. coming in. I don't know about you, but I was expecting everything to be blown to shit. Yeah. Uh, and I guess this was when we went off the air after the pay-per-view and we were corrected by a listener after this, we thought we were going to miss two Nitros because we thought it was just Thunder was preempted, but it was both Thunder and oh, Nitro were okay. preempted last week. So we've only missed one Nitro. Uh, that said, we still seem to have missed quite a bit. Well, to be um, fair, I, I was going to say, I don't think we missed as much as I would have expected from two weeks of shows. So I, I do think to their credit... And now they could have used a more precise edit and cut some of it down. But we did see most of the things that were referred to as being important on the Nitro. I think there was one thing we didn't see that we probably could have done with seeing, which was Sting and Luger standing tall against the Steiners. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Um, But yeah, it's... um. We we get kind of two news headlines from today before they throw to uh, the first segment, and that was um, that we have a new world champion. Um, yeah, we knew that. Big though. sexy Kevin Ash. We knew we knew that. Um, and the other thing we knew but didn't know, because it's not really that much of a surprise, is that Randy Savage has gone mad. This is basically the actual theme of the show. He's all it's the first time. It's the f- it's the first time, and look. Do you know, I wasn't... There were some parts of it I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. 
and there were some parts of it I didn't. But what I will commend them for was they were like, right, we have one thing that we really need to get over on Thunder. And that is that Randy Savage has fucking lost it. Right. And if that's a big thing that you want to promote and obviously he's gunning after the world champion, go for it. Do you mean go the whole hog? Because there are so many championship programs in WCW since we started this show where they just don't commit. They they half ass it and then like maybe two weeks beforehand they start actually ramping it up or um they don't do anything interesting. Um but you have like they really want to hit this home and it doesn't all land because the bookers are largely incompetent. Um but Fair play to them for trying something a bit different because these taped thunders are usually just match, 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 match video package. Mm. Yeah. So they did a storyline on a thunder. Yeah, they did. Look, we, we always give them credit for trying different things on, on these thunder shows. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I can't, I can't fault them. It's just Savage was all over the show. Like, yeah. literally all over the show. Hmm. Um... First, instead of to a video package, we go to Mean Gene, and he's on the ramp to talk to Buff Bagwell. Um, during this part, uh, Mike Tanay accidentally calls it Nitro, a rare slip-up for the man. Um, he says, you know, because uh, Gene asks him, you know, both Steiner brothers have turned on you recently. What are your thoughts on it? Um, he says he's not surprised at all that Scott would turn on him. But he kind of is with Rick Steiner. No one would have seen this coming. Well, I mean, uh, why would he be? He's the one that turned on Rick. Mm. <laughs> but this is babyface Buff Bagwell, so he's supposed to be an idiot. Uh, Maybe that's um, actually. Do, do you know the way? Um, you know the way. Sometimes there's characters that the the kind of like the delineation between them as face and heel is very slight, mm. and there is continuity. Like say when. A good modern example is Kevin Owens. When Kevin Owens is a face or when Kevin Owens is a heel, there's actually very little difference. It's just who Kevin he Owens, is yeah. trying to fight. You know what I mean? He is Kevin Owens. Maybe the consistent thread with Buff Bagwell is he is a dumb person. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. So he uncharacteristically says that what he's going to do is he's going to show those Steiner brothers that he is buff and he is the stuff, which I'm sure they're not aware of. Um. He says, and I think this is, you want to put something up in, like, writing on a poster and hang it above the locker room in 1999 WCW, like Ted Lasso does with his Believe sign. Um, and that's, he says, this is in WCW, there is no loyalty, there are no friends, and the NWO are egomaniacs. Yeah, fun, fun, You've just, you... fun, funny enough that uh, Buff Bagwell would be talking about how other people are egomaniacs when his literal gimmick is egomaniac who loves himself and who was recently in the NWO yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah he uh, he calls out Savage for tonight to come try beat him up so he says that you know like Savage has been running roughshod uh, over this place I'd like to see him try beat me up so you know come and take me tonight if you're not chicken um, already in a segment and a half if you count the, the commentators introducing the show as half they have said the phrase out of control maybe 400 times. Yeah. And this is, I think, where probably, if I'm right, your fatigue with the Savage angle comes in is that it is, it's really over-egging it. Yeah, the, the, like, I, I get pushing it. Like like you said, 
I get trying something new I get pushing that like he's le- legitimately fucking insane but you've l- just done the Ric Flair is in an insane asylum thing mm. so and and it's to me it's I don't draw that comparison I draw the comparison to the Steiner being out of control yeah. angle it's it's the Scott Steiner angle but again mm-hmm. you know um and it's just funny, there's another example on this show, I think, if I remember it when we're talking about it later, where it's just like, this company has fucking, like we said it before, it has three ideas, and it just reruns them, and we can add to that, so there's like, NWO family drama, and we can definitely add to that list, um, X is out of control. That's definitely one of the three things, um, one of the three ideas they have. Um, I suppose uh, teams turning on each other and then reuniting is the is maybe number three there because that that happens a lot and is also a running thread on this show with the steiners yeah, and so with uh, yeah, yeah yeah there's a whole lot of that shit going on again nwo qualify mm-hmm. under that banner um raven and saturn uh <laughs> the, the list actually goes on quite a long while but anyway we then get two back-to-back video packages. One, absolutely fair enough. Uh, you're recapping the big three matches from the pay-per-view. And I think that is always a good Excuse thing to me, do. Sir, it was the big four matches. Oh, big four matches. Sorry. So which matches did we have recapped? You had Flair versus Piper. Yeah. Sting versus Goldberg. Yeah. Nash versus DDP for the world title. Yeah. And, of course, the real main event, Gorgeous George versus Silver H. Yeah. The... If you haven't listened to our last episode, the Slamboree episode, by the way, you will be shocked as to how entertained we were by that match. I still can't get over it. Oh, go watch it. If you haven't seen that match, go yeah. watch it. Yeah, like genuinely go, like it's just, it's a morbid curiosity, but it's actually like in an era where this company consistently and terminally under delivers, this is the rare match that over delivers. You know? I have a, a gorgeous George hot take, but I'm going to save it for the main event. Hmm. I have seen some um, Gorgeous Georges in the news the last couple of weeks. Have you seen this? No. Uh, she's uh, apparently hawking Randy's shoes on eBay. Um, but, you know, some people are alleging that they may not be legit. He had, like, he had some sort of endorsement, some sneaker endorsement. I don't know if it was Reebok or Puma or who it was that were making like NWO sneakers for him. Okay. And she apparently, ha- it was never, they never made it to like production. Okay. But like she has like the prototypes or whatever. Um, and I think that's what she's selling. I saw this the other day um, for quite a lot of money, quite a lot of money. Um, But anyway, uh, we move on. We also get... um. A recap right after that of the Steiner reunion, which again, like I'm, we are generally against the back-to-back video packages. But in terms of they were then going to an angle and then a match that referred directly to this reunion, I'm kind of yeah, like, fine. right, okay, yeah. yeah, that's fine. I still would have kind of preferred, and I guess if we're watching this on the night, it probably went Slambo recap, then a I break, and then. Yeah, so I've, I've got to take that into account. Uh, we get a f- flashback to Nitro, which is Booker saying he wants to whip Rick Steiner's ass. Uh, mean Gene asks him about, you know, where was your brother in all this? And he goes, Mean Gene, I'm a man on my own. My brother's got his own business. Um, 
so they're they've definitely they've hit the accelerator on the Steiner reunion and they've dropped a gear on the Harlem Heat reunion for now. As they're obviously for obviously now. negotiating with somebody to come in. Mm, indeed. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Um so we flash forward to Booker being laid out in the back before his chance to beat up Rick Steiner. And let me tell you, we only we only got a couple of seconds of hearing it, but this Nitro crowd were pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not in a heat drawing on Rick no. Steiner way, in a fuck you, we hate they, this they way. They their Booker. Yeah. If only they'd take away their Booker. Yeah, well. Not, not <laughs> hey, booker, am I right? Not the Booker we all want to take away. No. <laughs> not my booker um, our first match only took just the six segments before we got a match on this show uh, it's WCW World Television title Rick Steiner versus Scott Putzky and more so than ever before every Rick Steiner match is now pretty much the fucking same mm-hmm. um, what, um, what did you think of first of all Rick's now blonde little schmig in honour of his brother Oh, it's a, yeah. The, and also the fresh shoe polish black dye on the, the rest of mm-hmm. his beard and head hair. Um, I think that's far more egregious than the little blonde. I kind of like the little blonde, like the homage to Scott thing. I think that's a, like, I, I, I'm, I'm all right with that. But I think like the shade of black that is so dark, it's drawing light from the room. <laughs> the ref- reflective black hair. Um, what I what I'm really not okay with is now that Rick Steiner's matches are absolutely just like shy. They're like they're they're so bad. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because Tanay, Jesus, Tanay is trying to do the Lord's work here, putting over Rick Steiner as like this unbelievable veteran talent because he says that this is Rick's second reign with the um with the TV title and those two reigns are almost exactly a decade apart. Um, he had last held the television title in 1989. Um, which reminds me that I am, uh, this, this show is taking place mere weeks from my 10th birthday. Um, and <laughs> that's like Rick Steiner had, had last been considered a mid carder when I was born and was, had r- risen himself back to the status of mid-carder by the time I was 10. And, ne- and um, now when you're approaching your mid-30s, his son is a forever mid-carder. Indeed. Indeed he is. Um, do you know what I hated on this show? Was it Scott Putzky? No, it was Larry Zabisco. Wow. Larry, even for Larry, was having a fucking shocker on this show. Again, I think I'm to the point with Larry, especially, where I just, I, I kind of die. I just don't hear him. And that's not good. I, You see, yeah, it's not good. But I'm, like, I, I'm looking forward to us getting to the much worse, like, the funny bad era of um, like Thunder Commentary. And- Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray is on commentary. They're inexplicably getting Hoovy to do commentary sometimes. Uh, stuff like that. Like, that's what I'm waiting for. Um, but Larry is just... I think what frustrates me so much about Larry is that the odd time when he's focused and actually talking about moves and talking about holes, you're like, this guy could be half decent if he wanted to. 
if he wanted to. He chooses not to be. He, he chooses yeah. not to be. He doesn't give a fuck. Um, as evidenced by the fact that the first 90 seconds of this match, he's just talking about Charleston. They're in Charleston next week for Nitro. And he hears the word Charleston and goes on free association for well over a minute about his favorite places in Charleston and what he's going to do when he gets to Charleston next week. To play golf. Almost none of it has anything to do with promoting the show, which Tanae would reveal over the course of the show is a fucking massive week for them because they have a, a big Nitro with a return we'll talk about soon. And also um, they're doing like a crossover where they're having a match on or a challenge of some sort between Nash and Bret Hart on The Tonight Show for $250,000. And they're really like... Tanae mentions it offhandedly, I think, three times on the show. Do you think this is one of the things they show a video package for, Lee? No, of course not. Will they fuck? Sure, why would you want to tune in next week to their flagship broadcast, eh? But anyway, um, yeah, this um, this Scott Putsky, man. Um, I feel bad for this poor guy. I don't think he got a, a single offensive move in in this whole match. No, he literally just got ground down into the mat for most of the match. And... Uh... Steiner just kind of beat him up a bit. Yeah. What do you think of him wearing the um, wearing the Wolfpack shirt? Because definitely today again had to do the Lord's work to explain this because the crowd were just like, huh? He's taking the piss out of Wolfpack by wearing a Wolfpack shirt. He's he's doing it to mock them. No, his brother's in the Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go figure. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. Yep. It's just dumb. Dum 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 dum. Yeah. Um he's like rubbing Putsky's eyes into the bottom rope. Uh even Billy Silverman bails out of the ring because he doesn't want anything to do with it. Um Tanae mentions there'll be, I think, two more world title matches on this show. Um It was the other thing about this match, surprisingly long. I think it just felt that way. Now maybe it was legitimately <laughs> long as well, but yeah. Just kept going and like yeah when a match is never in doubt it very quickly yeah. outdates its welcome yeah i mean we laughed a few months ago uh a few wcw months ago when prince ikea returned and lost his first match back but at least like he lost uh a competitive match mm. whereas scott putsky it's his first match back from injury and he just gets beaten and beaten and beaten and tapped out yeah it's I don't know I, I, I don't see what people see in Putski. I don't like it like no. especially here like it's just pure jobber to the stars fucking feel about him yeah and except you know Rick Steiner's not a star well let's be real Um, but yeah no like the, the finish of this match sucked as well because he does the Steiner mm. Bulldog and then he attempts to lock in some kind of submission. The two of them It's like the two of them it's get like lost a, along the way and they just end up in yeah. like a very weak looking armor. It's like the most awkward looking Kimura you've ever seen. Um Yeah, it's like he's trying to bend his arm over his leg, but he's bending it the way an arm's supposed to go, mm-hmm. so it doesn't look sore at all. It looks like if Anthony's given him a nice stretch out. Yeah, it's, it's um, 
Do you know what's interesting is that like one of the tried and tested ways to get somebody heat or to get them over as a babyface, depending on which way you want to go with them, is to just have them like relentlessly beat nobodies for a while and then like slowly build them up to beat Names bigger and bigger people. Too, yeah. But it's but it's funny, like apart from the like the, we obviously chuckle at when he's just fucking stiff at people around the place. But other than that, like, if you want to look at it in storyline, it's like, this guy has been, like, beating the shit out of no-name people for a couple of months now. And he's got no less, like, no more, no less over. Like, I wouldn't say he's he's dropped down. I, now, I would say if he hadn't done the big angle at the pay-per-view where he gets back together with Scott, maybe would say his star has actually fallen. Um, But it's interesting because he's got a belt now. And he's still not, he doesn't feel like, he just feels like, oh, there's Rick Steiner. Yeah, it, it, like the TV title had very little prestige anyway. Mm. But it also almost feels above Rick Steiner. Yeah. It, it feels like that belt is doing no favours for him and he's doing no mm. favours for that belt. Do you know what I mean? It also doesn't help that, I'm, again, it's like you said earlier, we're at that stage where we know where certain things go and knowing where this goes just isn't helping my enjoyment of things at all. No, not at all. Um, We go backstage. Speaking of things we we don't want to see where they're going, uh, we get a a running storyline now involving David Flair. um, And that is Flair and the boys backstage and what appears to be a running thing. We would get more context on this later which is Flair and the Horseman uh, bribing people to lay down for David in the ring. It's not so much bribing as in threatening. Yeah, it's like, we're going to bribe you, but also if you don't accept our bribe, we're going to kick the shit out of you. Um, so this time it's Barry Horowitz. And Barry Horowitz, like at least he feigns not doing it for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas we'll talk about the other guy who got bribed, just fucking like nearly took their hands off uh, as soon as it was explained to him uh, on Nitro. Um, what, what do you think? What, what do you think about this idea for a storyline? Apart from the fact that something I couldn't stop looking at in this scene is how like Dino was trying not to break eye contact with uh, Barry Horowitz's nipples for a while during this. I don't know what that was fucking about. But he was just fucking staring at those things. Um, I simultaneously hate this and love it. Um, it's so kayfabe breaking. Yeah. But I think it kind of works in the context of Ric Flair trying to get his son back on side. And like, yeah, the, hor- the horsemen are exactly the people to do this with. Like this wouldn't work yeah. if it was the NWO. Yeah. Um, I, do you know what? I think this is a storyline that serves Rick and doesn't serve David at all. Oh no, David, David still looks like a fucking absolute moron. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, gormless idiot, David Flair. But like, it definitely makes Rick. It, it bigs up the Rick is evil. Um, his uh, the heel authority figure. He's running roughshod. He should be relieved of control. Even like he, he should. There's somebody needs. To, yeah, somebody needs to come in and uh, sort this guy out. But all it's doing for David is this guy. 
not only is such a shit wrestler that he can't beat anyone and we have to like and it's ludicrous levels of payoff like not with him but with the other guy they bribe they bribe him with quite a lot to do one job on tv to david flair it's like so we have to bribe quite heavily for him to get any sort of win uh, but as well david flair is too dumb to one be let in on the scam or two figure it out when he's in the ring that these like much kind of stronger physical men are taking one single bump and laying it up for the figure four yeah um, um yeah it, it's yeah it, do, it doesn't do him any favors at all um no but i do think it work it i do do enjoy that it's the horseman do it and like iron like as you would see around during the match doing the little hand signals and fucking stuff yeah, yeah it's good it gave me fucking bit of enjoyment out of it Again, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, because we know that, like, from what's about to follow for the rest of WCW's time, we know that David Flair never develops into anyone with an ounce of, like, ring IQ ability. He's never a good wrestler. Um, So we can say now, looking back on it, it's like, oh, I was a bit shit on him because they just didn't give him a chance out of the gates. But I guess... He was a busted flush anyway, so fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, Barry gets the message and shakes hands with Rick. Uh, our next match, one of those rare blessed oasises. Hoovy versus Kidman. God bless these men, Lee. Yeah, this was nice. Just a straight up singles match. Um, yeah. I suppose it would be a cruiserweight title eliminator style match. I suppose you yeah. could call it. Um, one of my early takeaways is that Hoovy looks particularly moist. Yeah, uh, they were both quite wet. Hoovy, Hoovy, much more moist. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, the, uh, this is a classic example for me of one of those matches where it's good, so I just sit back and I don't take a ton of notes. <laughs> It's it's right at the the ceiling, star rating wise, for TV matches during this mm-hmm. era. Like your ceiling in the this kind of Monday Night Wars era is about three stars, and I would say maybe it's a little bit better, like a three and a quarter. Yeah, it's about that, yeah. Like like if I'm feeling really generous, I might tip it up towards three and a half. But three and a quarter seems mm-hmm. to be about fair for where it sits. But three and a quarter on a show like this feels like fucking Flare Steamboat eighty nine. You know, like that's what it feels like. Um, I thought this was great. Uh, just a great bit of fun um, in the middle of the show. It really got the crowd going. You know, we'll get through the, the kind of breakdown of the match uh, in a minute or two here. But I think for a crowd that had put up with five dark matches, at least three of which were definitely shite, and the first 30 minutes or so of what we've just talked about, I think this is exactly what you yeah, need. The, the crowd... Um... I meant to say earlier on, like they they were pretty hot throughout the whole show, um, and I don't know if it's just because of this they very rarely come to this part of of the country, um, yeah. Whether they were genuinely happy to be at Thunder, I don't know, um, yeah. But I did, I do think this proves that even at this point in nineteen ninety nine, WCW was salvageable. Yeah, there was enough yeah. there that they could have worked with and stayed. stayed it would have at taken yeah, we're at the phase now where it's not an easy course correct. No. 
there's definitely a lot of work needs to be put in to get these guys I'm not even saying back on top but just get it to be a hot product um but it's still not Mission Impossible yet uh, Mission Impossible will be coming in the form of Vince Russo later <laughs> this year um so it's it's mainly Hoovy early but I want to talk about um two things that are mentioned on commentary one a- again talking about like how it's a big nitro coming up for them next week um Hollywood Hogan is back he is um remarkable recovery from his um leg being absolutely mangled. His, his leg explosion mm-hmm. surgery that he had uh with Dr James Andrews that Dr James Andrews I'll tell you what miracle worker because uh, that has to be like less than two months of a turnaround. Yeah, so I think it was. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't like the pay per view just gone. It was pay per view before mm-hmm. that. Um, and they're already hyping up that he's coming for DDP because if you remember, DDP was the kayfabe reason why he took time off because he shattered his leg with a chair. Um, we also have oh my god, you want to talk about like this? Just shows how much attention Larry pays to what he's saying as he's saying it. The man fucking shites on for again well over a minute about weight differences. Were you listening to this or were you tuned out? So Larry reckons, an incredible mathematician and physicist that he is, that the difference between the cruiserweight and heavyweight weight limits is typically three to four hundred pounds. Just leaving that sit there for a second. So the difference in weight between your average cruiserweight and your average he- heavyweight must be three to four hundred pounds. Now, I think there's only maybe two people in the history of this roster for which that might have been true, and that's like if you had Ray versus Giants. Does that mean that Larry considers himself a cruiserweight? He must, because there's no way does he think he's four hundred pounds heavier than those two men. Very odd. Very, very odd thing to say. He says it. And the thing is, like, and this is, I guess, Tanae ever the professional. That Tanae is not going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, like, he might have if Tony said yeah. it. But he's not going to say it to Larry Zabisco, you know? Um, It's just like, I, I couldn't, I had to write it down. Because it was just like, and he kept going after that for a while, where he's just like, oh yeah, man, weight difference is so fucking massive. And I can't even remember why he started saying this. Um, yeah. Um, so we come back from a break and Kidman is in control uh, briefly before Hoovy reverses him, gets the heat. Um, Hoovy does a lot of showboating. That's characteristic of the, the, the Hoovy heel run. Uh, he does 10 punches in the corner because Kidman power bombs him out of the corner. Um, series of counters. Uh, there's a cool spot here where Kidman does an inverted suplex over the ropes, but Hoovy uh, posts on the the apron and guillotines him. Mm-hmm. Uh, then does a springboard hurricane rana back into the ring, a big dive out of the ring, uh, back and forth some more. Hoovy goes uh, for a 450, gets crotched. Kidman hits a superplex. I then in brackets wrote this rules to count off the superplex. Uh, I I really enjoyed the finishing sequence to this match where Hoovy signals for the Hoovy driver because again it's one of those things it's kind of taken a, a page out of how Jericho used to be where it was like every single moment heel Jericho is on top in a match he's acting like he is oh, the, just yeah. the most dominant yeah. so it's like Hoovy is like yeah and then he signals for the Hoovy driver 
um, and turns around directly into a sky high power bomb from Kidman. Uh, then Kidman mocks him by, you know, uh, signaling that he's going to do the Hoovy driver. He gets him up for the Hoovy driver. Then Hoovy reverses that, and you think, okay, right, he's hitting the Hoovy driver now. But Kidman reverses again into a roll up and wins. Yeah, very good. Uh, which got a really good pop off the crowd. Lovely little match, I thought. Yeah, like we often say, it's it's very enjoyable when they just put the cruiserweights out there to wrestle. Like yeah. you will get the corn cobs that will complain that you know. It means nothing, but listen, sometimes a good match is just a good match and you, that's all you want. Yeah, and kind of like you had alluded to earlier as well with it being like, uh, you know, it wasn't named at the time, but that it's kind of a title eliminator, uh, is that they, they Tanae essentially intimates that this puts Kidman back in the path of um, Ray for a Cruiserweight title shot. And... You know what? I'm absolutely fine with those two guys circling back towards each other as often as possible because it it always it it's it's always somewhere between incredible and um really yeah. like it's really good to incredible. It's, there's never been a bad match between the two. Or well, just yes. high floor basically. Just high floor, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, we again. Anytime they want to put Mysterio and Kidman together, that's a okay by me. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll approve of that one. Mm-hmm. We then get what I thought was going to be back to back great wrestling segments because we see the return for the first time in a long old while, Lee, of Kaz Hayashi to the program. Yeah, and he's still wearing Glacier's vest. Yes, I had completely forgotten that he uh, Sonny Ono bought his gear off him at his entrance no Kaz bought um, his ge- bought Glacier's gear from Sonny oh, Kaz bought, yes. yes and Sonny Ono bought the entrance and the pyro for, for the, the cat, cat yeah. which was a really good bit when they did it uh, but we get Ray defending the Cruiserweight title against Kaz Ray freshly shaven head don't know how I felt about that I think it suits him well it's, a, it's basically what he's got under the mask now yeah. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like him with the short hair when he doesn't have a mask on, um, instead of like completely shaved. Um, my my um, big takeaway was I really want that yellow and purple Fubu shirt. <laughs> well, you are going to be seeing a succession of incredible Fubu shirts over the next uh, while on I this am show. Looking forward to that the most of everything that happens in nineteen ninety nine is the high fashion. Uh, listen, I I if I can get them in this. 2023 I would get myself a Fubu shirt uh, there's gonna be like if ever somehow we like we end up doing like a live podcast you need to wear like a Fubu shirt and Zubaz <laughs> I was gonna say a Fubu shirt and some Jinkos oh actually yeah that's more WCW than Zubaz isn't it Zubaz is more of a WWF thing um <sighs> I got really bitterly disappointed so quickly by this match, Lee. Because very quickly we're getting the Macho Man show. Yeah, because these two guys could have had an absolute banger, mm-hmm. and we all would have had a great time. Sadly, uh, like you said, it becomes the Macho Man Randy Savage show. Um, explain what happens. Yeah, so they're kind of just ticking along, and Kaz is in control, it seems, for 
most of the early portion of the match. And yeah. out of nowhere, you hear Macho Man's voice as he starts to walk out the entrance ramp and welcomes everyone to the House of Madness and yeah. asks, can you take the pain? Um, and then he starts to personally address Rey Mysterio in particular. Yeah. And he's like, Rey Mysterio, you are a fine wrestler with a fine reputation. Yeah. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four-month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330, and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network and it just kind of gets even weirder from there he talks about um how ray was the guy that beat kevin nash and he was the giant killer and all like this is all just over Mm -hmm. a live mic as the match is going on in progress in the ring and it's also sort of not going on because like it's like they need Ray to be reacting to this. So what they're doing is they're having these two exciting cruiserweights Grab a hold. grabbing yeah, holds. Yeah. And like when this segment kind of plays out and you see that the whole point is that Macho is coming out to try and endear himself to Ray. It makes absolutely no sense why you would come out and interrupt his title defense and distract him. Because he's mad. Yeah, he's mad. He's out of control, Lee. Out of control. That's the that's the nomenclature we're using here. Um. So yeah, he he surveys Miss Madness, who agrees that Ray is the man, and then we go into a break. It's so weird. They went into a break off that, and then they come back from the break just to show that like how little this company cares about the cruiserweight title. That it's just yeah. like 
It's like straight to the finishing move and pin, and we're lucky we got the finishing move at all. Um, and Tanay really quickly tries to point out that all the way during the break, um, Macho basically didn't shut up talking. Um, he gets in and he says, "Cut the music." He says that Ray, you're the man that beat the man. But I'm not saying that Kevin Nash is the man. You're the man. But I'm the man. <laughs> Make sense of that, if you will. Oh, fucking. This is, this is where you go, right? Okay. You, I will believe Randy Savage is insane. <laughs> like, as a shoot. Like, what the fuck? So many men. Um... He says he wants Ray to join him, basically, because he beat Nash and he's gunning for Nash. So he wants Ray on his side for his secret plan, um, which is just always will. The, the phrase secret plan will always remind me of Brian Alvarez uh, with his whole his whole theory about a secret plan uh, angle for the, the second Triple H Undertaker, the Hell in a Cell match. What was that? Uh, for the Undertaker streak to be broken, he pitched this idea that there was going to be a secret plan for Sean to screw over Undertaker. Um, it was a whole thing that people just slagged him off relentlessly over. Secret plan. <laughs> um, but anyway, he mentions a secret plan. He wants Ray to join him. Uh, I thought, you know, I didn't like this angle. I didn't like that it interrupted the... Um, cruiserweight title match but i did like as a the babyface champion how ray handled this yeah he says uh, oh yeah sorry to, like the, the fans when when uh savage offers mysterio the, the spot the fans are into it which is funny because like macho's supposed to be a heel raised face yeah um nash is a babyface at the moment <laughs> Um, but they have strongly, um, um, strongly, uh, the, the fans have strongly resisted the urge to boo Savage. They just, they, they love him a whole bunch still. They, there's a couple of occasions. There's one occasion on this show where they know they're supposed to boo him and they do, but mostly they, they pop for Savage. They love him. Anyway, uh, Ray's response is that he says, look. You know, Randy, I respect you like you wouldn't believe. I grew up watching you and to team with you would be an absolute honor. But I have other plans right now. Savage urges him to reconsider. Um, his his line to reconsider is like, I want you in on my deal because my deal is the real deal. Give me an oh yeah. <laughs> Whole crowd says, do the oh yeah. And then <laughs> Ray, I really love, says, well, I say, oh no. Um, and then Gorgeous George clobbers him in the back. Savage then lays him out. He fights back, hits Savage with a springboard drop kick, uh, but the women hold on to his legs, uh, and then Ray eats a pile driver. I will say, Randy Savage is cracking out like uh, 10 out of 10 pile drivers left, right, and center oh, lately. Pile driver is far and away the best move in the fucking whole company at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels unfair for the guy to have, like, he has the best elbow drop in the history of the business, and now he's just, like, just cracking out unbelievable Hall of Fame-level yeah. pile drivers as well. It's almost like when you have somebody that's unbelievable at the fundamentals of wrestling, that stuff never yeah, goes. Exactly. Weird how that works. Um, 
But anyway, um, Ray eats the pile driver. Kidman comes out to make a save, and he he meets the same fate, which I'm not complaining too much about because again, we got to see another pile driver. Um, they write macho in lipstick on Ray's back. Conan comes out and attacks. Uh, George, uh, did you spot this? The malfunction. No. George goes to club Conan in the back and the straps on her top break. Oh, no, I didn't know. And whatever whatever she was supposed to do, she has to immediately stop doing and Conan has to drop down and sell because she has to literally like hold herself oh, in God. her top. Okay. Um thankfully for her, thank God, there was no like nothing more serious than that. Um but yeah, it just kind of like it like, poor Conan had to like well, poor her, obviously mm-hmm. number one. But uh poor Conan as well had to look like a bit of an idiot because he had to like this one fairly weak ass strike to the back, he had to kind of sell like death. And it's um, funny because I'm pretty sure in the main event Medusa has a wardrobe issue. Yeah, because I was like in the main event, uh they come back out and George is in the same top, and I was like, Holy fuck, like is this gonna happen twice on the one show? Um, but thankfully it didn't for her but yeah I think there was something with Medusa I didn't quite catch it though um, and then yeah he hits the, the big elbow which again like we're getting two class pile drivers and a big elbow at a segment so yeah, it's not all bad mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I always want to see Kidman and Ray standing tall I'm, I'm quite happy to see uh, those moves I just love them I just I pop for moves <laughs> what can I say Give me entrances and finishers all day long, friend. Um, we get a flashback to Raven and Saturn versus the Horseman. Uh, Aaron hit Raven with a tire iron, but Canyon shoved... Oh, in one of the coolest, like, interference finishes. And that's not a high bar, I know, but... Uh, Canyon gets up on the rope while Malingo's on the top rope, and he shoves him off the rope, and he's caught in midair into a Death yeah, Valley driver. Really I've never popped to a replay as much in my life. Uh, and then backstage, we get an interesting conversation with Bam Bam. It's just very brief, very, very brief confrontation. I did laugh at Bam Bam calling them turkeys. But again, you're seeing the act yeah. that uh, Canyon is associated with coming into the orbit of Bam Bam. Bam Bam is also in somebody else's orbit. Well, they, they mentioned in, in the Hayashi and Mysterio match that. Uh... DDP and Bam Bam are officially aligned. It's it's a thing mm-hmm. now, and so my thinking two prongs of the triad. My thinking is was Raven and Saturn initially supposed to be brought into this group, but Raven splits very yeah. soon. Was the plan mm-hmm. that Canyon, Raven, and Saturn all align with DDP? That would be, that would be a stable. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Like, you know, what we like, could have I, had. I know eh? we have the history of DDP and Raven, but you know you can play yeah. it off that Canyon's the one that brought them in and plays mm. the peacemaker. Now there's a diamond mine. I would I would enjoy. Let me tell you. Um, next up, it's a WCW World Tag Team Title Ravens Rules Match. Uh, Raven and Perry Saturn with Canyon versus Horace and Vincent. A team deserving of a title shot if ever you've seen one. (sighs) (sighs) Jesus Christ. Uh, (laughs) Talk to me about this one, Pat. First of all, Horace and Adams had been the team for the preceding couple of weeks, correct? Yes. Now, it it wouldn't blow my mind too much if 
Brian Adams was injured again. Possibly. But Or just didn't fancy showing up to which oh, time. You know, you could just not do Horace versus and a partner versus the champs. Um hmm. I just like why why are you putting Vincent in matches on television? Why are you putting Vincent in matches? Yeah. Well, like look. Have we not done Vincent? Have we not sussed that Vincent is not you good? Put him on fucking like worldwide or whatever, that's fine. But like putting him on one of your main two shows just exposes yeah. how bad he truly is. One thing I will say for nineteen ninety eight WCW is that most of the time Vincent was a valet. He wasn't actually wrestling. And, like, because it was a running joke on our show for so long that, like, I don't think this fucker's taken a bump in the whole time we've watched him on the podcast. And I don't know why, like, late 98, early 99, they're like, you know what, let's try with Vincent again. Um, Fucking hell. I get, like, again, it's another case of it's the it's the disciple thing. It's, like, it's who you know. It's who your buddies yeah, exactly. with. It's, it's jobs for the boys. Um, and there has never, like, there obviously, and, you know, I think of fucking Uncle Paul and a stupid fucking Infinity Gauntlet, like, there's definitely some of the jobs for the boys that happens in every single company. But I can't think of a jobs for the boys guy now in the top two American companies who, like, offers absolutely well, I mean, nothing. it was Hager, but Hager absolutely offers something now. Yeah, and it, like for a while you could have argued Sean Spears, but when Sean, well, Spears, Sean Spears was the comedy guy in the pinnacle, a competent wrestler. Yeah, Vincent yeah. is not any of those and, things. Yeah, and there's like, oh fuck, what's his name? Um, Factory. Oh, um, QT. QT Marshall. Yeah, there was like a lot of people early on with QT before they saw, like. And I was included in that where I was like, oh, fuck, every segment he's in is death. But then you start to watch like Dark and Dark Elevation and you see him doing his Tony Soprano bit and you see how he's actually the perfect Brilliant. job yeah, yeah. guy. He's great. He's the perfect job guy. Um, But yeah, like I, Vincent doesn't even offer that. Like it's never satisfying when Vincent gets the shit kicked out of him because he doesn't look like he's getting the shit kicked out of him. He looks like just a horror, like fucking giraffe on roller skates like. He offers absolutely nothing of merit. Never has, never will. Um, so um, is this the last we will see of Ray? Um, I can find out for you. Um, we're getting we're right there. there, as far as I know, of when he leaves the company. Yeah. Um, it, are the ty- I, I suppose one thing that tells me that it's happening soon is that they're like this match they start doing free bird rules with canyon so it almost feels like they're preparing to not have both halves of the champions well, around no because the whole thing with raven is that bischoff has this big fucking meeting backstage yeah <laughs> so, can you please like i know there's a good percentage of our listeners again you know i i we're on on the VOW network, people have heard mm-hmm. most of these stories by now, but just for some people who may not have heard how Raven left WCW, would you please tell them? Because it's one, it's honestly one of the funniest. So, holy shit, this is the last Raven match. I knew it was coming up. Um, this is, uh, so he has three more house show matches 
over the next week uh, where he beats Hack three times and then he's gone. Oh, sorry, sorry. He has one he, uh, on Nitro next okay. week. Um, so <laughs> they retain the tag titles. <laughs> the story goes that Bischoff was very fond of having these meetings backstage where he would point out to all of the locker room um, that in fact none of them were stars other than Hogan um, Piper and Nash I think was the three he really liked to uh, point out like they had drawn money blah 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 blah. and he's channeling Kenny Omega obviously look um, and he liked to constantly throw in that in six months the WWF will be out of business or this time yeah. next year they'll be out of business or whatever whatever is favorite yeah. i don't like uh, there was maybe one year during the wars like in 96, late 96 early 97 yeah you could say like every other year he was pulling that out of his mm-hmm. arse that <laughs> like. um but yeah so so bischoff was having another one of these famous meetings and he cuz was this was this because jericho was negotiating like had it got is that am i remembering that right that like either he had signed he was signing his deal or it had leaked that he was talking to it, it might have been around like involved i don't know it was that specific reason he was having this meeting but it was it was just yeah. the ambition of having his meeting and he said if anybody's not happy here i will give you a release right now yeah and raven being raven he stood up in this meeting in front of the whole locker room and said well, I'll take a release. Yeah. And he got released. Got released. Went straight back to... Uh, ECW. To yeah, the, the condition was he couldn't go straight to the WWF. So he went and did a yeah. like three-month run in ECW. Yeah. And then he shows up at what, like early 2000? Yeah. It's yeah. just amazing that they, they allowed one of the hottest acts on the show just walk out because... Eric Bischoff was too busy telling the locker room they were all shit. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Like, the... They have... Like, when we started this podcast, they had, for the era, in terms of, like, bell-to-bell ability, one of the greatest rosters ever assembled in wrestling to that point. In terms of people at every position on the card able to work to a really high level now obviously the people that were pushed the most weren't able to like your Nashes your Hogan's and stuff like that but even in the main event bracket you had like a sting or, or a DDP um, or a Hall or a DDP or a Hall or even like a mm-hmm. Goldberg who could work a Goldberg match very well and stuff like that the mid card and the undercard absolutely like unbelievable overflowing with this excellent generational talent people who are still working and or influential in wrestling today. Um, and over the course, this will be a story for us on the podcast over the course of this year. Because I think as much as the booking, something that kills it to the point of being irreparable is the bleed of yeah. talent that they let go. Yeah. Either to ECW, to WWF, or just gone. Uh- you know what I mean? And now um, that's not to say they didn't bring in talent as well, but that goes back to your other point nope. of the booking was just so bad. Um, yeah, it's tr- it's trying to it's trying to um, 
but they're bringing in a couple of people and some young people are coming out of the power plant or wherever else that that have potential towards the end of this company but at that point you're trying to fix the hole in the titanic by dumping a bucket of water back over into the sea you know what i mean you're never going to repair the damage like because we've talked about raven um giant like obviously he's not an unbelievable worker a giant left earlier in the year and he was a pushed act do you know whether you're into him or not he'd been all over the show for like the good to three years yeah Uh, yeah and he had he definitely had a role to play in there and people he was over um somebody that we kind of like you know quietly was just there was never any big he's gone now but he is gone from TV as Jericho. Yep, Jericho. Ra- Raven, Raven, um, Raven, as we pointed out. Jericho was done. Um, and as this year would go on, we'd get more, like most notably at the end of 99, start of 2000, the Radicals um, all go. But they're not the only ones, you know? And a lot of the luchadors start disappearing or just being used Stop a lot less, booked, yeah, even yeah. while still under yeah. contract. Um, it's just the riches they have. And yeah, it's just depressing, isn't it? It's WCW, unfortunately. Speaking of depressing, Vincent selling. Yeah, boy. Uh, a lot of this matches him selling. Um, Canyon wants in, so he is officially in the match by trading shirts with Raven, which I found very funny. Um, I thought this was really good. I think Tanay forgot who the faces and the heels are supposed to be here. Because for a second, Tanay is just like. God, you know, um, these guys making their own rules, Raven's rules, is really tough on the challengers here. And for one brief shining second, Larry was great because without missing a beat, he shouts, good. Yeah. I it's, hate the NWO. The NWO. <laughs> Who could possibly care? Like, Yeah, it was really funny. Um, the dumbasses get the heat for a while. And like, if there's nothing worse than Vincent selling, it's Vincent and Horace having the heat. Uh, slow motion kick punch special. Uh, the heat goes on for fucking ages until Raven gets a hot tag he does the chair uh, drop toe hold which Vincent has the cheek to kick out of it too uh, because he doesn't think Horace is going to get to him on time Horace has the chair he accidentally hits Vincent Raven punches the chair into Horace's face DVD and a dog pile win so the last time we see Raven is him getting to do a dog pile and you could tell by the way he was like kind of breaking character at the end of this match that I think Raven in his own head was beyond done at this point. I also get the impression he was just having fun. Yeah, which is why, like, for Raven to do that, bit like, sa- that tells a bit me bit of self-sabotage. Done. Yeah, I, I think possibly. Because um, he does, like, he all but does, like, the NWO, like, point the fingers as he's doing the, the DVD. Really, really... Um... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss Raven so much, man. I really am. Um, it's something we've documented a lot on Days of Thunder. But I think if you were to put the the list of pleasant surprises. Because like, I think we always knew, like the two of us have always quite liked DDP, for example. You know, who um, has been a big part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we've always quite liked who's another example Jericho Jericho. Booker uh, Goldberg Mm -hmm. people like that I think the number one person who I turned around on their body of work during this period of time for 
was Raven. I think for me is I I've always enjoyed Raven. I I love yeah. like even even lower card Raven. I've always been a fan of. But for yeah. me, the big stunner is that just how over he was, and yeah. just how many times they had an opportunity to go with him, and yeah. they just never did. Um. I I've said it. I've I've written in the Discord. I've said it on the show. When when we finish our run of thunders, one of my things that I am going to take it away from from revisiting this era is that whole Saren and Raven dynamic. The run from yeah. what it'd be, Super Brawl right through to Fall Brawl. Yeah. Is like it's just so good and it builds and builds mm. and I I genuinely it's one of my favourite story arcs in American yeah. hit wrestling one thing I want to do on the Patreon this year is to start to put together the WC the essential Days of Thunder timeline match list and him ver- him versus Saturn is definitely one um, I remember we was it him and Canyon in the cage, or is it him and DDP? Was it him, DDP, and Canyon? Was it three way? There was a cage match that was really good I in ninety eight. Yeah, um, he features so highly um, the, in my esteem during the, this the, period. The three way um, with DDP and Benoit that had that was much better than I had any rights to be. That's probably I'm mixing up those two matches, yeah. Um, do you know? And it really like it fucks me off in a big way. Like I know, as a man, he's quite annoying. Mm-hmm. Like everyone will say that, and I'm sure he will fucking say it himself. Um, but like I think the Raven character and his body of work across WCW and ECW. Um, I think, I think a lot of fans just in their head can't let go of how he was put forth in WWF. Yeah. And fair enough. Like, if that's what you grew up on and that is your context, that's your first impression. First impressions are hard to shake. Um, But I was actually recently listening to a podcast um, that was talking about the, the, uh, the same kind of era. It was stuff we'd already covered because I won't listen to podcasts to talk about stuff we haven't yet covered because I don't want to start cribbing their notes. But um, they were talking about, like, Raven in, in 1998. And they were burying him. It did. I was like... Just, like, you're obviously not watching the stuff. Yeah. You're obviously just going, this is what people yeah. think of Raven, so this is what I'm going to say about Raven. You're not actually watching the work. I'm gonna, I'm not going to say what podcast it was. Uh, that's I leave that I leave that stuff to Joe, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's his job. He fucking... He names and shames the podcasts. So if he wants to do it... And I'm sure there's fair fair few context clues that I think people might be able to figure it, it out. It was Garrett, wasn't it? But I won't. I won't. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. God, I wouldn't. I, I actually, to be fair, with Garrett's area of expertise, I would expect him to be a Raven defender. He like absolutely us. is. If, if I remember correctly, yeah. like, Garrett was all about putting the, the NWA title on Raven. This is a guy who still had plenty to offer, like, ECW when he went back. He would have had plenty to offer WWF if they ever fucking... <laughs> put him somewhere where we could offer Vince anything didn't hate him for pretend, possibly yeah. um, allegedly giving Shane a fuck ton of drugs in the 90s yeah um, he had plenty to offer when he went to TNA and he had plenty to offer when he was in Ring of Honor mm-hmm. briefly 
Um, let's not forget, there's a very, in terms of influence, do you get CM Punk without Raven making him? There's a lot of Raven and CM Punk. <laughs> Fucking letters. <laughs> w- yeah, and w- well, thankfully not some of the more destructive no. tendencies. Um, there, are, there are many ways in which those two men are completely different, but some ways in which they are very much the same guy. But uh, both in terms of like his influence on Punk at various stages in his career, I think particularly of like straight edge society Punk and, and eras like that, he's pulling heavily from Raven. Um... But also in terms of, like, one of the first feuds that probably legitimizes yeah. Punk as, like, he's the real fucking deal is that Raven match. Um, the 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 infamous fucking dog yeah, collar like, match. Yeah, like, Raven was probably the first of that older generation to put Punk over. Yeah. And, uh, like, it, it influential to the extent where there were repeated echoes of that Raven feud in the MJF Punk feud. They deliberately referred back to stuff that happened in that feud, not just in terms of they did the dog collar match, but in terms of promo lines and things like that. Because I bet not only like Punk, Punk's whole run in AEW paid a lot of homage to his own history, but also MJF, massive CM Punk fan. I'm sure he fucking loved that yeah, feud. Yeah. And it's that whole thing of Punk has now become Raven. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, what, what, What's that but, line he said to Cena that? Um, you've become that thing you've you've you hate. You become everything you're, you you're hate. The Yankees. You're a dynasty. Yeah, you're the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna miss Raven. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we get a flashback to Nitro, and this is the Faustian bargain between Flair and Buddy Lee Parker. <laughs> Buddy Lee is offered not only like cash, but like a cushy office and retirement. Yeah, a blonde um, secretary, I believe. A blonde secretary, yeah. Uh, a cushy office and life off the road uh, by Flair. And to the point where, like, Tanae after this is like, I don't even know if he can actually guarantee that kind of stuff. But, um... Buddy Lee, they show part of the match, and Buddy Lee gets, like, way more offense in than the horseman would like, but then he duly does the job. Um, One thing I found extremely unsettling about this match that we were looking back on, Lee, is that uh, Lil Nate was wearing his ring gear with the ref shirt over it, which made it very much look like he was poo bearing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm guessing that we got another Lil Nate match on Nitro. Yeah. Um, either that or he's just like wearing the gear all the time now. Um, he, he doesn't have about either. So can't be that. Yeah. Um, singles match. Gormless idiot David Flair with Ric Flair and the boys versus Barry Horowitz. Um, I love how in a clear uh, tacit sign of how much everyone cares about Thunder, Flair was decked to the nines in a suit on Monday and he's just in a polo ah, shirt and slacks for Thunder. Yeah. What, um, what do you think of David Dringer of his work he looks ah, uh, literally, literally the next yeah. line I had. David looks like absolute and shit. His legs that have no definition. Baggy black basketball shorts or workout shorts, no definition about him whatsoever. Like you said, yeah, little chicken legs, which if you had anything else to offer would be fine. And then as well, the thing that always always makes him look even worse is big red face and a constant expression like he's about to burst into tears 
it's either he's going to start crying or he's constipated. I can't decide which. Yeah. Um, he he uh, was but, blown up so quickly. Yeah. Oh my god! This match goes like two minutes, and he does nothing, and he's still blown mm-hmm. up. Um. So the horsemen are out almost immediately. Horowitz goes for a cover, but Arn does the you know cutting the neck, uh, cutting the throat signal to get him to cut it out. Uh, Horowitz goes for a running knee to the corner. David dodges. I did enjoy Har- Barry Horowitz sells this knee to the padded turnbuckle like he's yeah, died. Brilliant. Plausible deniability there. Um, yeah. Figure four wins. And then, like you said, um, David Flair absolutely blown up in celebration. And Barry Horowitz, like, he has that remorseful, I've just sold my soul look, um, which I think saves face a little bit for him. Uh, but he's, yeah. He's not a regular fixture, I don't think, on the show. So, mm. uh, do you want to recap us, Lee, uh, the, the, the next flashback to Nitro and what was happening between Savage yes. and Nash? So- because this is, again, this is like a classic, the politics and the bullshit segment. So we get a flashback to Nitro and it's new WCW commissioner. Or, mm-hmm. No, he's not quite new commissioner. but Anyway, it's Roddy Piper with his new best friend, Eric Bischoff. Yeah, yeah. It was, he had been commissioner the whole time, but they forgot he was and he just wasn't on TV for a long time. So it's Commissioner Piper, Bischoff and Randy Savage in the ring. Um, Savage wants a title shot against Nash. Um, Piper refuses. Says, uh, I think he says Savage needs to kind of prove himself or something like that. So yeah. Savage responds by deciding to pile drive the ever loving fuck out of uh, Roddy Piper. The mm-hmm. women beat up on Bischoff, and as Macho sets him up for the elbow, Kevin Nash comes out to make the save. So yeah. Nash. We get like a, a jump cut and Nash is now on the mic and says that um, if Savage wants a shot, he can get it. He says uh, the last time Nash had the belt, they know very well it was a political decision. I just cringe. Sorry, so a political hard. move to have him lose the belt. Yeah. And uh, this time they'll have to pry it from his cold dead hands. Uh, yeah, that part of it. Let me tell you. Just... It's actually maybe the fir- it's maybe the first time it seemed like Kevin Nash cares about the world yeah, title. The whole it was a political move thing. That's just I yeah. Could do without that. Um, we then yeah. cut to later on in the night where it's DDP versus Nash for the title, and it ends up with DDP, Bam Bam, and Savage all attacking Kevin Nash. Uh, smart casual Bam Bam wearing yes, a shirt. Yes, um, shirt and jeans was it? Sure looked that way. Anyway, yeah, um. I should add that Savage's new thing, instead of spray painting people, is to smear lipstick on them. Yeah, or to get the like the his his cadre mm-hmm. to do it for him, um, as they would do on this show. Yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling like I I was kind of feeling the whole uh, Savage is like a man possessed trying to like tear apart this whole company to get at Nash. But then when you have Nash being like cool guy talking about politicking mm-hmm. and shit like that, I'm like, it just completely took the air out of it for me. Yeah, not good. Anyway. No. Uh, singles match. Uh, Disco Inferno versus Kurt Hennig. Um, blink and you'll miss it, this one. Uh, lots of talk 
uh, this week about Nash and Brett for the 250k, which is where they're talking about it. So it's like there's some, they're trying to really gin up interest in WCW next week by having like really loading Nitro with the, the Hogan return and then also go on like, they're going to be on Jay Leno and we're going to have, they were like, we're going to have cameras backstage at the Tonight Show. So if anything happens in the build up to that, so they're like doing Jay the honors by trying to lead the, the WCW audience on Nitro into Leno. Um, It's interesting because, like, them cozying up to NBC is really weird for, like, a property that was obviously never going to leave Turner. Yeah, and and obviously Um, Dick Ebersol was in charge of NBC. Yeah. Obviously very good friends with... Yeah, because around this time he's cooking up the XFL. very good friends with one Vincent McMahon. So yeah. it's just it's one of them odd things that uh, probably doesn't get talked about like talked about enough is that WCW had this very obvious relationship with Jay Leno who yeah. at certain points looked like he was going to get moved off NBC. It it it'd be the equivalent now to like AW running angles on like um, Seth Meyers or fucking yeah, Jimmy Fallon, on NBC and you're just like. And it's it yeah it's Fallon Seth Myers and I can't remember because there's three Seth, isn't there yeah. I think um but F- Fallon and Seth are, are definitely on it so it's like them running angles on one of those shows and you're just like NBC Universal are like in bed with WWE like what the fuck is Actually, going what, on here two lads that showed up on Nitro are uh, Nitro fucking hell uh showed up on Raw was it Michael Che and Colin yes. Jost. Yeah, yeah, from SNL. Yeah. So it'll be like AEW yeah. having an SNL crossover. Shut up on Raw. They were on WrestleMania. They were in the Andre. Remember? No. The two of them were in the Battle Royal. <laughs> Was it Braun Strowman took the two of them out? Andres are not my uh, my specialty subject, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's it'd be insane if if that happened with AEW. But anyway, um, Larry and Tanae, uh, they also this is brilliant. Like with Bret Hart's history of like going out and just like shooting the shit at the moment, they're saying Bret is suspicious of NBC fancying themselves as wrestling promoters, <laughs> which is just like I I'll bet he was. I'll bet Bret he was. Do the job on NBC. Yeah, uh, within a, like 30 seconds, maybe to a minute of this match starting, uh, your favourite Randall Savage is out again. Except this time, he does my bidding as he completely fucking destroys Disco. Well, we should say enough. Disco jumped him first. Because yes. Disco is obviously still a member of the NWO Wolfpack. And that's what Tanae points out. And like Tanae says it with a tone of, oh, the NWO thing is wrapping up because he's like, he's one of the only remaining members of the NWO. And I was like, oh, if wishing made it so, Tanae, that the NWO would never come back. Um, unfortunately, 2000 is going to have some news for you, my friend. Um, he exposes the concrete and rubs Disco's face in it. Uh, he takes out the ref, but then Buff comes out. He attacks Miss Madness. Medusa takes a bump. Uh, Nick Patrick out like a fucking sprinter, a hundred meter sprinter, and our main event just starts. So that was kind of like I was annoyed at first because like oh, another match is fucking wrecked, and this is a segment we're going to put up with this again. But nope. Main event immediately starts, so they're not wasting their time. Which there. I did think is good because something you very rarely see on these shows is where segments yeah. bleed into the next. Um, yeah, it, it 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 was a change of pace. So I mentioned it earlier on. 
gorgeous George, right? This might be a bit of a hot take. Mm-hmm. She's so much better at ringside than Nora, Miss Madness, Molly Holly, whatever you want to call her. Oh yeah. Like I'm not I I'm guessing it's still like early in her career or whatever. But Nora yeah. seems pretty lost at this point. Yeah. And I think I think it's tough for Nora because she's like the third one that got yeah. added to the act and like Medusa is fucking Medusa. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? She's like, been she's been in the business for ages and she has like she has not gravitas. Been a fucking like she has gravitas, she has a presence, she has a physical charisma, if not charisma, God, charisma. Gorgeous George is so active at ringside. Gor- Look, we said this at the pay-per-view. It's like, Gorgeous George, for all her greenness to the business, is like a bundle of energy and personality. She's constantly either banging the, the ringside mat, or she's talking to Medusa, or she's shouting something yeah. at Savage, or she's roiling up. Like, she is so good. As a ringside yeah. va- like manager or valet, whatever you want to call her. Yeah. And I think it's a damn shame that she didn't go on to do more in the business. Yeah, and I think like I feel bad for Nora because I think part of it is probably like seeing how Medusa is and seeing how gorgeous George is. She's like, but I can't ape either of them. But I think she's, like, I want to say she's trying to do the distinguished Elizabeth role almost, but, like, even more kind of docile. And I just think it's one person too many. I I think even if it wasn't Nora, if it was somebody else, I think it's one person too many for that kind of um, little stable he's got going there. I I think they're very, Um, very enjoyable as a quartet. I I think it's, like, a cool-looking grouping and mm. um, because you have this yeah. this like it's been established this absolute lunatic and for whatever reason he just has these three women that are not mm. afraid to get involved by his side um we mentioned yeah. earlier on medusa at some point mm. in this matchup has a wardrobe issue because she is wearing like a red leather catsuit not too dissimilar than um britney spears very famously would have had around yeah this time or a little bit later and then when she comes into the ring for the finish oh yeah for baby one yeah. more time is it not baby one more time one. um uh, 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 no um oops i did it again yes um yes so when she gets into the ring later on she has a jumper tied around her waist ah so that was the so pants i'm split. guessing there was some kind of issue yeah, I imagine you can't get too physical with like those are like you need to be sewn yeah, into like them. She did. She got very physical all throughout like every segment they were involved in. Yeah. Again, like she's she's a wrestler. She can't resist and, it. Like even though she probably knew, it was like I shouldn't. Yeah, but no. fuck it. And listen, I I I've always enjoyed Medusa. I think she's great. Um, I thought like this was there were moments in this where I enjoyed how like quick and physical it was for these two guys um like buff is immediately on savage when the bell rings whipping him into the rails back in 10 punch shoulder tackle um he savage tries to mule kick him out of the corner but he stuffs it uh buff runs into a boot but comes back with a drop kick 
Savage's Dazed, Snapmare, Stomp, Chinlock. Uh, Savage gets in control, whips Buff into the rails himself, back in. Uh, Buff nearly scores a roll-up. Uh, in an unmitigated burial, uh, Larry refers to, did you hear what he referred to Miss Madness no. as? He referred to as, and I quote, Mona with the banner or whatever. So, God bless her. Larry was doing her no favours this evening. Buff tries to fight back. Snapmare, elbow drop, brawling outside. Savage has a chair and chokes Bagwell against the rail, which causes a disqualification. Um, Savage throws down Nick Patrick, enraged, gets back in the ring. Medusa rolls the chair into him. Uh, Savage gets George and Medusa to come in and pin the chair to Buff's neck while he attempts to do the elbow drop, but security is out. He relents momentarily, slugs a few security guys, and we go off the air. Um, I think this, if maybe this was the only, like, this one-two punch of the semi-main event and the main event, if this was all the Savage being crazy we got, we'd probably be a lot higher on it. I, I think if we even just had this and, like, half of the Mysterio segment... If he came out like right at the yeah. end of the Mysterio match, I yeah. think it would have been acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Or if we'd had like after the Mysterio match, like him getting ready to go out and he runs into Mysterio mm. backstage and does it. I know they don't do a lot of backstage stuff in WCW, but this was maybe one occasion where you could have. Um, One thing about this segment that I would have liked, I would have liked it when the security guards were still standing. There's a moment where I'm like, he's still going to do the fucking elbow. I would have loved to see him drop the elbow through the crowd and have like all the security guards go like fucking bowling pins. That would have been a great look. Um, and you want to talk about like getting a guy over as like a madman and also a star and also a tough bastard. Like if he'd laid out the fucking security staff. Yeah, but I, th- I think um, even for he- him doing a dive through that many people wouldn't have been good for either the person on the ground or the security or Savage himself. Oh, it would have sucked yeah. for all of them. Yeah, would have absolutely. I think it just would have been a great visual, like him just dropping the elbow and then parting like the Red Sea. It would have been, I would have loved it. Um, right, that brings us to the end of Thunder. Um, what did you think of the show? Um, winners I, and losers. I didn't hate the show. Like, the, it was a pretty easy watch. Um. Mm. I thought, like I said, the crowd I thought was very good throughout the whole show. Again, there was enough there for me to say there's still hope for this company. It's just they get in their own way a lot of the time. I think the Savage stuff was just slightly on the overdone level. Um, I did enjoy Kidman Hoobie a lot. I, again, they, they'd be my two. Yeah. I thought they, they had a really good match. Yeah. Um, losers. I don't know. Like us for having to watch Vincent again. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that in our losers section, us comes up a lot. It, it does, but generally that's how both of us feel. Yeah, certainly, certainly the case. Uh, our finish counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borga, gives us seven matches. With uh, five clean finishes, sort of, I wrote in brackets, because one was a bribe-related, not clean finish. And we get two DQs or count-outs, back-to-back, yeah, as it happens. Um, 
that's all for another episode of Days of Thunder. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, on the free feed in two weeks. In the meantime, largemanappears.com is where you need to go to get more of uh, our nonsense for just five euros. Uh, until then, folks, we shall see you. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.